Welcome to the Mother Mother Effin Podcast. Podcast. I'm Patty. And I'm Heather. I have a question for you, Heather. Mm -hmm. And these are the questions I kind of like because it gets you to like think and where you're going to go. But what's one thing from comedy that you got that you didn't expect to get? Herpes. (laughs) You're listening to the Mother Effin Podcast with Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Yeah, those mics are kind of dirty. I mean, if you really think about it, like some of these comedians like put it against their chin and I'm like, I "I just got all your skin oil all over that. Like it grosses me out and I can't listen to their jokes because it's like right there on their chin. There's a guy I refer to at Flappers as my nemesis. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but we were at a class and he was just so gross, like coughing over the mic, over everything. And I could see that Joshua Snyder, the teacher of that class, could see the horror in my face. And so there was three of us left and he made the guy go. He's like, I think you're the least germaphobic out of whoever's left. And he let me go last because he knew I was like, wah, wah. I, I would have been it. like, I would gotten the Perel. I've been like, I know. I, it was it. so gross. It was so gross. Yeah. Um, but really, what did I get that I didn't expect? I think it's, it's that I got the release, not in the way that I expected it. Like I knew I wanted to go up and say some stuff, but I honestly thought I was going to end after that first class. Like I was going to take one class and that was going to be it. You really you, you thought this is it? Yeah, I just wanted to try it. And then I didn't expect to suddenly want to transform my life around it, where it became the new career I wanted, the new somehow, like, I'm, I'm not expecting to become a famous stand-up comedian, but, you know. Never know. <laughs> check out my Netflix special in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't, I don't, I just know I want to do something more with the creativity of writing and coming up with sets and comedy and doing those things. I don't, I don't want to stop now. So it was an outlet. Like you didn't realize you needed that creativity until yeah. you did it. Yeah. I mean, I had been pretty satisfied in theory with my life. And then suddenly now I'm like, Ooh, my job doesn't quite match my desires. <laughs> now I'm going to have to find a different kind of job. I'm going to have to find a different way to, to schedule so I can do all the things that I like doing. Um, so I'm zagging. I always call it that. I read a book called Zag. And then I was thinking about the Steve Jobs commencement speech where he's talking about like, you know, if you wake up too many days, miserable, it's time to change your life and yeah. to change something different. And that's what it just became. It became what I didn't even realize I needed. And, and so now we're doing this podcast and yeah. we've got comedy a la carte and all this other crazy stuff happening um, and doing shows at different clubs, going to open mics <laughs> instead of being home watching TV. I'm so behind on TV. <laughs> that, uh, But I don't miss it. I, I love doing this instead. What about you? It gave me this sense of being comfortable being me. Mm. When I'm really myself, I'm this goofy, I'm cracking jokes, but I feel like that comes across as like stupid or something. So I always like kind of lowered who I am around people. Like I wasn't as funny. I was just like more go with the flow. I wouldn't say the off the wall topics. I wouldn't be goofy. And I'm a goofy person. Yeah. And so I always like tamed it. But because comedy is like intensifying it on stage. Mm -hmm. It's gotten me to be just like me. Yeah. So now I'm just me, which is nice. I'm yeah. comfortable being me, which I'll is weird because I didn't expect. It's not, not It's not confidence of like, oh, being on stage and talking in front of people and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where everyone goes, oh, I could never do that. Talk in front of people. And I'm like, then don't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no I one's asking you. you to. I used to get, you're so brave for adopting kids. And now I get, you're so brave for doing stand-up yes. <laughs> I guess we're just brave people. I know. I need to go like rescue kittens out of burning trees or something. So we're like, you're so brave for getting those kittens. 
<laughs> What's the next brave thing you I need to do? I, I did not. I think for both of us, it sounds like it was a release we didn't know that we needed in that way. Like it was bigger than we expected. Yeah. Well, it's also something I want to make sure that I don't crush in the girls. You yeah. Know? Like I want to make sure that they're always comfortable being who they are. Yeah. Whether it's goofy or angry or whiny or maybe I, not the whiny. I always try but, to But you know, just, like just yeah. comfortable being them. Yeah. It's sad that I, what, I'm old now and I'm finally being comfortable being me. Like yeah. imagine if you could never, like right now they're seven. Like yeah. they're comfortable being them because they're seven. They're seven. Yeah. Like imagine just keeping that confidence yeah. of self and being 28. Yeah. It's a good modeling thing for the kids to see. Like mom's taking on a new thing. And to succeed, she has to work hard at it. She has to practice. She has to write. She has to rewrite. You know, it's not mom just gets up on stage, tells some jokes, and everybody laughs and thinks she's naturally funny. It's like an evolution of everything and, and working at it. And they see me work at it. They'll see me at the dining table with my headphones on where I listen to a recording of a set and I'm taking notes about how I did and like reworking stuff. So I think that's important for them too to see it, it takes a lot of work to do anything well. Because yeah. I've seen those comedians who don't put a lot of work in. <laughs> you know who they are at the mic. Oh, it's always yeah. the one at the open mic who goes, this was so much funnier earlier today. And you're like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't. The idea is funny. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Heather's like, no, no, no. Oh, no, I, I use it too because mm -hmm. especially with Zandy, she has so low self-esteem yeah. already. Like she gets one thing wrong and explodes into tears. Of I get to the point where she couldn't use pencil because if she made a mistake, you could still see it after erasing oh, yeah. it. And so we realized that. So she did everything on dry erase board because mm -hmm. you can't see it on a dry erase board. And the teacher would just take pictures of it instead. And it was a great scaffolding and tool yeah. to get her to have a little bit more confidence. That's how ingrained she is of like, you can't make a mistake and you yeah. have to be your best. And so like her seeing me and me telling her, like, how'd you do it? I was like, it wasn't good. Yeah. Like that joke didn't land. And she did you tell my joke? And I'm like, <laughs> no, because that joke, knock, knock jokes tend not to do well at comedy clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, I use this example too of like, look, I'm working at it. I'm failing. I'm not doing yeah. well, but then I'm working at it still and I'm having fun and I need to practice and I need to do all yeah. this stuff. And they see I mean, Lexi tells me I need to practice. So, oh, you know. that's good. I'm glad one of them's there like, practice. But it's, maybe that's another expectation I didn't get is that it's a good learning tool, you know, for kids to see that it's not the easiest thing. I mean, they do listen to comedy. They do watch comedy. Our kids are older, so we let them watch if we feel it's family friendly enough, some things with profanity in it. Um, I don't like graphic sexual comedy specials for them well i don't like being there for those either well yeah but like if uh like i can watch show them clips of like gabriel glacius mm -hmm. and he swears but a lot of it's like being overweight on a roller coaster or trouble with my stepson kind of thing and that's very funny to them and they can relate to that so they get it so they like they love him gabriel glacius is like the funniest person ever but like ali wong who i love i could not show most of that Margaret Cho, especially her new stuff, could probably not show to yeah, the kids the yet. the girls aren't there yet at all for any of it. Yeah, so it's... I it's, mean, we're, we can't even watch a people movie without an animal in it. Like, we're still yeah. in the, if it has a dog, we can watch it. If not, it has to be animated to catch a phase of life. So, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things of, like, they're they're starting to figure out comedy, which is interesting. Anna and Tony are both pretty naturally funny. Uh, Tony's working at it, though. You can see him trying to, like, come up with jokes, and it's very cute. It's very funny. Though he came up with the best one that's so mean as a nickname for his sister. Uh-oh. Oh, my share? God. Yes. So Bella is uh, very concerned about her weight. 
but she's getting a little bit bigger. Um, she's normal. She's fine, but she's concerned. And so to to tease her about that, he started calling her Bellefant. <laughs> so it's just like, Tony, I can't praise you for such a good way to dig into your sister's psyche, but man, you picked it right. So they all, and like Anna's just funny on her own. She doesn't need to try to be funny. She's just very funny. But there's something real to that because she's just being... Yeah, her herself, you know, so that yeah. quirkiness comes out. Mm-hmm. And even as a child, I think I was scared to be me because I didn't want to, I wasn't the class clown. Like, ah. You know how most comedians are like, oh, I was a class clown. I always knew I wanted to do comedy and I was a funny one. And yeah. then I just realized, oh, maybe I should do this. Or, But I never was considered a class clown mm-hmm. because I was scared of authority. and I didn't want to mess up. I'd be destructive in class. And yeah. so I was never, I always tamed it. Like I don't, I think I'm just finally being me at normal level. Gotcha. Which is yeah, interesting. That's good. It is good. I'm that's really glad. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. It only took you this long. <laughs> I know. I'm only old. <laughs> so considering our expectations for comedy, what were your expectations with your whole adoption? This is a big sort of overreaching. Yeah. Expectations is this something I feel like I'm constantly growing through and about and thinking about because yeah. I feel like that's where all my disappointments lies. It's because it's an expectation yeah. that wasn't met in some sort. I really thought that like once the ink was dry on the adoption papers, that healing would be already done. Like yeah. we, we would be just, I guess, in the lack of a better way, a neurotypical family. Yeah. You know? And that is like far yeah. from the truth. Yeah. Like it doesn't even begin to and be, it will yeah. never end. This sounds like a weird way to acknowledge uh, analogy, but it's like a recovering alcoholics. Yeah. Always going to be an alcoholic. Like yeah. there are always going to be moments where we're going to have to work through something. And there's always going to be moments where they're going to have identity issues and we're going to need a yeah. therapist and there's going to be things that we need to scaffold and then bring down. And like, there's always, yeah, it's, it's not going to end. Like they're going to, and one of my friends, she was adopted. Her mom, the grandma ended up like all these emotions stuff like resurfaced when she had her first grandchild. Oh. Because then it was like this whole infertility thing came up and yeah. all this other stuff. So it's like, even when I'm be, old and yeah. it's like, it's not going to be done. And then, so it could happen for them too, where it's like, who knows where it's going to be. Like, it's, I just, there's just not a pretty bow of no. it's done. But that's how life is too. Like I'm constantly True. growing and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know why I, I mean, I was naive, I guess, and just thinking that hmm, we're going to be done. We're going to be this happy little family and we're going to be the poster child of transracial families and we're going to be great. And we, we are great with issues. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember um, falling for the whole, like looking at social media and be like, look at these happy, beautiful adoptive families. And then we went to one of our training sessions and they had real families come up and talk. And they had one couple came up and they were very real. And it was the first time I had gotten a glimpse at a family who was struggling. And from that moment, I had, you know, lowered expectations. Remember that from Mad TV? <laughs> like, no. I started to lower. There's a sketch about it, like dating for lowered expectations. But I started to lower them a little bit. Things that I expected, like, I'm just going to adopt. I'm not going to be connected to the birth family. All right, I'm going to be connected to the birth family. I'm, I'm willing to, to do that and to open my heart more. Um, and that for me was a lowering of expectations because I wanted to sort of cut everything out. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to open more. Um, I'm going to have more difficulties than I expected. I'm going to have, you know, more challenges culturally than I expected, which has not been the the case. Because my kids, for as Mexican as they look, have zero <laughs> knowledge or grew up in like the foster home and the birth family they're in, had zero traditions or cultural things. Like they were just, you know, they were like, oh, I love that. That's a traditional uh, like topping in Mexico, mayonesa. <laughs> and I was like, mayonnaise? 
mayonnaise is not Mexican. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but even with my lowered expectations yeah. of that, it's still like I, I guess I was egotistical or I was proud and was like, no, like my love will be enough. I, like I was, yeah. I, I lowered it, but I didn't lower it enough. Yeah, I just, I think what happened was I didn't expect it to be so hard. I mean, you know, the, the fact is two of my kids are still in therapy and like <laughs> getting there and back, it's like two hours out of your day just to go to an hour long therapy session. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that like you have IEPs now that you always have to go to, the fact that you're thinking ahead, you know, what people may disagree with this, but like our, our son, I don't think he can go to college right away. I think he needs a little bit more maturing and everything. I know he's eager to and Honestly, I'm pushing him towards the military, like to go to the Air Force, maybe. I think that's the safest military branch. But he's like, I'm gonna be a Navy SEAL. It's like, um, how about Air Force? <laughs> Don't fix your eyes for free. Desk job. <laughs> I know. In the military. And I mean, he wants to be an engineer and design like cars. I'm like, great, go work on military Please. equipments and stuff, and you'll learn. You'll learn some stuff and you'll be able to get your college degree there. And I think it'll help him mature and and learn a little bit more oh, that's diligence. Great. There's those boundaries and there's yeah. the routine, and it's. And I think he needs that. I think he needs it more than he's going to be able to get at the house. And I think Chris stuff. would be totally on board with you. He feels yeah. like we just, we force kids so quickly into this. Yeah. It's well, the college is a weird setting too. It's like it it's is. a safety net, but not a safety net because you, it's like your parents more likely are still paying for it, and you're just a yeah. whole bunch of crazy kids I mean, living on campus. Yeah, like the, it's just it's an interesting social experiment. It's it's rough, and I think we we put too much emphasis on college. In fact, the only one of mine that I think could go right from high school to college is Anna. I think she could do the leap. I don't think it would wear her down, but it might. It may just because I know it's very stressful. It took me longer to get through college than I thought. It took me like six years. I have a college you know? degree, and Chris is the main breadwinner in my family. Yeah. He it does matter. not have a college degree. Well, and he makes perfectly great money allowing me to stay home here yeah. in California. And it's like, it's not about the it's degree. It's not about the degree. It, it so. depends on the career. Like, Anna says, yeah, if you're going to be a surgeon, I kind of need you to yeah, go to like go to college. college, you know? <laughs> but like other ones, but Anna, does, she wants to be a doctor right now. She thinks so she should go to college. Yes, she should. She knows she wants to do something in science. So I think she could do it. But I, I know Tony, he could, but he's going to need a little more structure first. He's going to need to. And the to, military could be amazing for yes. that. Give them that. Yeah. Just, and it's it's a no bullshit place. Yeah. And <laughs> Bella know? Bella is not suited for college. <laughs> she's like, it's not it's not going to happen. Because she has what to What about those, the military for her? I don't want her to learn how to shoot a gun. <laughs> I feel like it's a very bad idea. So. Okay, half the people in the military shot the gun once in like I know, in I know. camp and then never done it again. I think that for Bella, I, I, I go back and forth because she's very good if you give her directions. Um, so she would be very good as like a private trying to impress her yeah. higher ups, but she's going to have a difficulty when it comes to making decisions because she's not a good decision maker. She still has four years though. She does. I'm very nervous. Um, I understand. I've put in her head. I, I, admittedly, I have done this, but I think it's good for her. She wants to do world race. They have a gap year. So right after high school, she can go travel to nine countries over nine months and work in developing nations. Like so That would be amazing. I think that it's really good for her. And I think that's what she needs first is she needs to get out and get away and see the world a little bit and see what's out there. And then maybe it'll give her a little reality check and have her kind of come back. But and still go, be safe. Like it'd be a yeah. reality check in a safe space. Because yeah. it's not like you're going to let 18 year olds go around the world without. No, there's, there's, and there's adults in it. It's not just 18 year olds. It's like 18 to 26 or something. I don't know. But like you can be the youngest. Usually you have to be 21 to go. But this is the one you can be under 21. So yeah, she'll just go and hopefully have fun and all those nice things and learn something and maybe figure out what she wants to do in life because she just doesn't know. 
Which I mean, and that's another thing. We I feel like we force our kids yeah. and force people to like figure out what they want to do. Like yeah. all these madness schools and stuff. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. Like if you know, you know, but at the same time, like. But it doesn't mean it's going to be where you end up. I mean, look, yeah. I got my degree in costume design and set design and I ended up a producer in theme parks. And now I'm like, but I really just want to do comedy. So it doesn't, yeah. there's no through line. Um, but like on a, on a, you know, she's going to go something with science. Like it's going to happen. Tony's Maybe really, not though. I mean, there's still like 10 years, yeah, eight years. You can see, I think there's some people you can see a passion. Oh, for. completely. I'm just saying, like, don't even pigeonhole well, yeah. her, her to that. Like, if she decides she found the stage and all of a sudden, you know, oh. she said she's naturally funny and that, you know, you never know. She can saying. be a comedian paleontologist. It's Actually, she wouldn't make any money as a paleontologist. I'm like, if you're going to do it. Zach Shepard has a degree in anthropology and yeah. he, like, tells everyone about it all the yeah. time. Like, he brags about it yeah. all the time. But it's, like, it's such really a useless funny. degree. No, I loved anthropology. I thought it was great. No, I'm just saying, like, yeah. you, half the time you don't use the degree that yeah. you're in. Like, I totally. have a major in business. No. How do I even major in? I thought communications, no? Yeah, it was. Thank you for remembering my life. Um, You're welcome. Uh, One of us major has to. in communications with a double minor in business and Spanish. I'm and a stay-at-home still- mom. I know more about trauma <laughs> than I ever thought I would know. And I'm now a stand-up comedian recording a podcast. Yeah. yeah. Life is funny. And all the business stuff that I learned, psh, yeah, it wasn't in the time. Like yeah. now it's all social media and like yeah, streaming and digital. It's totally changed that majority of what mm-hmm. I learned probably would even... It's it's interesting. And I mean, as I said, I don't want to pigeonhole. There's things that you can see, like that there probably is going to be a natural transition. Like Tony's going to always want to work on stuff with his hands, building stuff. He's just really into it. You know, Anna just is obsessed with something with science. So those are huge, broad areas. Though Anna does say, she's like, maybe I'll just become a plumber. I was like, that's Why not? fine. <laughs> oh my goodness. They, they, they make a lot of money. Well, apparently yeah. all of these master electricians are mm-hmm. like retiring and yeah. being to be gone. So there's going to be barely any of them left. Yeah. They're supposed to make more than neurosurgeons yeah. in the next five years or so. Yeah. So and that don't quote me on that. Yeah. Like definitely research <laughs> that if you want to actually use that in another conversation. But that's what I remember from an article I read was that all these labor intensive jobs, everyone thinks is beneath them. So no yeah. one's doing it. No, everybody. So it's going to swap yeah. where these, these master electricians, the plumbers, mm-hmm. all these things that we're going to need. Yeah. Are going to make tons of money. Four or five yeah. times than what they're making now. And can you imagine if you had like a clogged toilet and this super cute woman showed up? Because she's going to be tiny. She's not going to grow. She's like, I'm here to fix your toilet. You're like, what is this? But yeah, she's very, like, I'm open to that. I'm open to Bella getting one of these tech, you know, I have like, no trade clue jobs. where the girls are going to be. Like, no clue. You, change, like, they want yeah. They say they want to be an officer. They say they want to be a vet. They say they want to do all these things. I and, would show them Micro's dirty jobs because that's what we did with the girls and the, my girls and my son. And we have his, his, like, mantra up, like the Micro pledge, the sweat pledge, yeah. which is like, I live in the greatest country in the world. I'm grateful for what I have. Pursuit of happiness is different than happiness. Like it's this whole thing and it's wonderful. And basically it's like you have to work hard. You bring your passion to what you're doing. You don't chase your passions. Yeah. Well, they want to be this like there's still seven. So oh, they yeah. still want to be five things. Yeah. Like I'm going to be a veterinarian that has a poli- that's a police officer yeah. with a canine dog that finds drugs and dead people. And it is like, <laughs> okay. Some but of yeah. them relate. And then Zandy's like, I want to be a pop star. Okay. Just don't do drugs. I'm so. always one of my kids are like, I think I want to be a singer. I'm like, talent. You lack it. <laughs> so I read a post recently and it's been kind of, I've been trying. Okay. The post was reading about how her kid who has sensory issues was, there's a pile of leaves and yeah. she was like, encouraged him to go through it because she remembered her childhood of yeah. massive amounts of leaves and like 
running through it and jumping in it and having yeah. like a fun childhood fall day. And her kid being sensory issues and stuff, all he could really manage was stomping through them. Mm-hmm. But he was happy yeah. stomping through them. And she realized just because her joy of that childhood memory looks different than his joy of that childhood mm-hmm. memory that hopefully he will have in the future doesn't mean that they're like they're both the same. They're both joy and how yeah. it looks is different. And then how she realized that she's been putting all these expectations, especially around joy and happiness around her kid with what she thought and thinks that he yeah. will be happy doing or that what she remembers of her childhood of doing, like her perspective yeah, and kind of giving that up and letting them just find their joy and being content in whatever level it is because it is still joy. Yeah. And it's been making me realize like how much I like compare the neurotypical kids to my kids and like, like yesterday, we don't do sugars and stuff. Yeah. And so we were going to like a birthday party of some sort. They know they can't have the cake and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I gave them a bowl of ice cream that was Patty approved. Mm-hmm. And I gave them a this live soda that yes. you took me up onto. It's the bag. So it's this bubbly soda water, right? And they got a whole can. Oh, wow. And they were like, this is the best ever. <laughs> like they were so yeah. ecstatic. Like that was just as much joy. Mm-hmm. As these other kids were having eating birthday cake. Yeah. You know? So it was like, why was I squashing it just because it's different or feeling bad because yeah. I can't do it or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's making me think a lot about the expectations I have on a daily basis and what I project on them a lot. Yeah. I mean, I realized pretty rapidly the kids were not going to have the childhood I had because technology had changed so much. And I think I would have realized that with birth kids. There's just this desire that they would have had to have been so wired all the time connected and we we limit their screens and their not as much as you but we do limit it more than other people like they they're get very basically frustrated. having the same screen time as i did so actually yeah. i had more yeah i mean i think i did have more too but i we still try to just limit what they have each day and what they can watch and like they don't have any social media apps that's not going to happen and we make them turn in their phones um so they can't really text their friends because it's like you don't need to why are you texting you're home the only person you need to talk to today is here yeah. But I get it. There's a social structure because we used to talk to our friends when we were growing up. You know, they have to ask permission. Can I call my friend? Yes. yes. You know, you dad was a doctor. So I remember that we were not allowed to ignore call waiting at all. Oh, yeah. Like you did not know it could be someone dying. Yeah. And that was so annoying to me. I feel very sad for them because they can't, they don't want to go outside. And like in the summer, I was like, bye. <laughs> you know, when I would go out. Granted, I often went to the mall. And like my friends, I don't know how we spent so much time at the mall. Not spend money? Well, we didn't have any money. Like we would pull our money together and we'd have like five bucks and like Auntie Anne's pretzels would be like, five pretzels for five dollars. And you're like, here, that's all we have, you know? And like that's all we would eat. We would drink from like water fountains, you know, which now give me the heebie-jeebies. But like we just had fun. Like I don't know. We would walk. I remember we'd walk so far sometimes. Like there was one time we went walking. And we didn't stop. And we suddenly had to call like a parent to come pick us up because we were like three miles from the house. And we're like, we're too tired to walk back. Can you come get us? And you probably had to use a dime or a quarter to go to uh, like the... If I recall, it was one of those call collects like, we don't want to walk anymore. Come pick us up. No, <laughs> <laughs> you did really fast. And like they finally accepted the call and we were like, hi, we're, we're far. Can you come get us? Oh, I would have gotten so much in trouble, I feel like. Uh, I think they were just happy we weren't doing anything mischievous. We had so many you know? boundaries. Like we weren't oh, okay. a lot of like we were allowed to play mm. in the neighborhood as much as we wanted. Yeah, but we weren't allowed to cross anywhere there was a light. 
Oh, so really? that kind of left us where the school playground was and like this little area. So we couldn't oh, gotcha. go beyond a light. Oh, uh, we, no, we, we went far, far and wide. And I just think I'm cr- to a certain degree are creating that kind of childhood for them in the sense of we go out every single day and we play for 30 to 45 minutes minimum on our bikes, yeah. dodgeball, soccer, something like mm-hmm. making them outside. But we do have a very unique screen policy where yeah. we don't watch it yeah <laughs> we basically watch one movie every other week mm-hmm. is where it comes down to now because now they have soccer on friday so they don't do it friday nights and so maybe we do it saturday sometimes but mm-hmm. then we try to be out and about yeah. so we don't miss it and so yeah they actually do less screens than i did because i remember waking up and doing saturday cartoons and i oh, remember yeah. coming home and watching Saved by the bell and yeah. like all those things at home i mean so they do they have that can. in the childhood but I think it's more like the joy of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like people are always like you're robbing them because they don't have sugar. I'm like, no, I'm. They're healthy and they're fine. Yeah. They don't need red dye. <gasps> we gave Lexi red dye on last Saturday, and mm-hmm. it was like she turned into the devil. <laughs> oh no! We hadn't done it in so long, and it was yeah. one of those things where I was like, maybe it's red dye. We stopped doing it, and then life went mm-hmm. on. And then she had some stupid juice box from soccer that had red dye in it, mm. and then she went crazy Nuts. oh my gosh and i was like it's the red dye like it has to be the red dye so we're doing the red dye again our kids we used to put them on a really strict diet uh like no casein no sugar no this no that and it was good when they were first there but with school so what happens when they were in private school it was very easy to control it um easier they were still getting candy and everything from their friends at school like it was happening See, and the crazy. girls like they went they, they know to say no it's crazy but ours grew up on like eating junk food yeah, it's, no, it's totally get. different situation. So it's, for them, it's like, we're, why can't I have this anymore? So we do cook healthy at home. They don't eat. No, you cook healthier than I do. Uh, yeah, I try to. But I'm I cook like large vats of like stuff in my crock pot. I love my crock pot more than my Instapot. I'm going to say it. I got the Instapot. It's nice. But I'm going to leave it at that. It's nice. I like the Instapot because I can forget to put it in mm-hmm. and still have time to cook what I want to cook. Okay. That's the reason why I like it. I think the food probably tastes better in the crock pot. Well, I always feel like crock pots are, you're not going to get anything. Well, that's not true. My Mississippi roast, once I lifted it, learned to elevate it on a potatoes and carrots. It came out really nice. <laughs> Anyways, I just make the crock pot stuff because it's easy. Like, it's, Well, it feeds a lot too. It makes a lot. It does. It's it's like the pumpkin chili I make at Halloween will last three meals for the kids, you know, uh, and Bobby and I. So th- that's not bad. You know, that was the most expensive pumpkin chili this year. Because I had to run out last minute and get the ingredients. But I had to go to Whole Foods for something else. Whole paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like an $80. I'm like, thank God this is like 10 servings. It's the most expensive chili ever. <laughs> the first time we did steak for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. I realized I didn't want to cook Thanksgiving turkey yeah. ever. Because I don't even like turkey. Yeah. And I was like, why am I going to cook it? And I'm going to spend all this time learning how to cook a turkey. Yeah. And I don't want to do this. So we do steak. So I went to this like butcher shop. I yeah. spent hundred and seventy five dollars oh on like four or five pieces of steak. It was I think there was eight yeah. actually. And I went home and I was like, I'm so sorry for this. <laughs> I did not realize it was so expensive. But it was the best, best steak. steak ever. I think I just bulldoze my kids to meet the expectations in some ways. Like I'm gonna keep my traditions and you need to follow along. And the thing is these kids had no consistency in their life that for them it was tradition like- is now wonderful. They love tradition. Like Halloween, they came in the house. They smelled the pumpkin chili. They're like, yes, it's mom's pumpkin chili. 
they all had like two bowls full because they loved it. Can we take it to school tomorrow? Yeah, you can, of course. And it's like, we always get like, they always talk about it. And I made an offhanded comment about how um, I'm going to write my cookbook of all my recipes. I was like, as a joke, like to Bobby, like, I'm going to write a recipe. These kids love it so much. I'm going to write a cookbook with all my recipes. And my son goes, please, mom, please. I want to make this for my kids. And I was like, oh, oh. the tradition so there will was, continue. So you don't have, like me, tons of loss around all the expectations that are done. Like, I feel like that's what happened. Like, that's what I get slapped in the face on a regular basis with. Like, oh, there's something else I can't do because my kids have trauma. Oh, there's something else I expected would be able to happen and we can't. Oh, there's something else. Like, I always feel like that's what slaps me in the face. No, I, uh, because I think I bulldoze through their trauma. I really do. I don't, I think that you and I, react differently and i think our kids react differently to their trauma and and that also probably comes with their age they're the fact that they're all double digits now makes it i think a little bit easier in some instances to deal with that trauma versus when they're very young and it's not great but they've learned self-calming techniques so now it's made life a lot easier but our kids i think we were so aggressive with changing their i mean these kids when they moved in with us in like a month and a half we we're like we're going to hawaii <laughs> So they had no, we were so go, go, go as a family. Like we just travel, we do stuff. We're always busy. I don't think they had a time to sit down and take a breath and go, oh, this is so different. How do I relate? Or maybe it was so different and their life was so much better that they were able to address the trauma internally and go, oh, my life is so much better now that I'm not being abused constantly and I'm getting fed all the time. So maybe it's just the trauma this surface is so different yeah. because my girls never like they've been with us since they were nine months yeah. old so it's like this is the only life they remember but all the stuff that happened in utero in the first nine months has changed their brains for survival yeah. so permanently that it's like we I, didn't even have a chance to do anything any other way i feel like you know we just got used to certain things like now we know when we go to a school like especially with anna anna's gonna go to a new school next year we're gonna go meet with the school before she starts and be like hey by the way she's gonna have a rough two to three weeks the first oh, I when wish she gets mine in. was only two to three weeks Zanny's still running and well, I think that also comes with like age, the I mean. age and also Anna is actually very intelligent uh, I was very surprised she's a very smart kid so she doesn't have the learning disabilities yeah this this whole dyslexic yeah. thing totally adds another whole layer yeah. especially to Zandy who yeah. thinks she's stupid Alexi's like oh, my brain's wired different. I'll just get the right tools. And yeah. Zandy's like, another reason why I fail. Yeah, so. I see myself in Zandy so much. Like mm-hmm. I see how much, which is the reason why I think I so want her to just yeah. not wait till she's old to feel comfortable being her. Yeah. I, I, oh, I just, cry count. Oh, <laughs> gotta go. It's been, it's pretty late in the episode though. I'm gonna I be know. honest. I, I held out. <laughs> um, no, it's, I mean, I think the one that I had to lower the most expectation to is Bella. I mean, I had a therapist say, you just have to start wrapping it around in your mind that she's brain damaged. And once you accept that, then you can move on. And I still haven't accepted it yet. Mm. I'm still waiting to, to go, no, I can fix this. I can make her where she needs to be. I can get her where she needs to go. And Bobby actually um, has come around to she's brain damaged. We need to meet her where she's at. Like he's very good about it, but I'm still pushing her to be the best her possible. The best her possible is the best her possible with brain damage. Yeah. And that's what I haven't accepted yet. 
Yeah, well, like, I get that. I, I feel like I can fix this. I can, and, and I can't. And I know I can't, but I still internally go, I can fix this. I can, I can get her to read more. And then when I have success, like the fact that over a summer, she managed to improve two and a half grades in That's her reading amazing. level. I'm like, see what I can do. <laughs> but yeah. it's not, her brain was ready for it. That's what I have to step back in reality and go, her brain was primed and ready to advance this summer because she had quiet, she was grounded. She was yeah. being forced to to do something. She's still not fully reading for comprehension. She's still not getting the whole of the book. But she's so much farther than where she was. She was, yeah. And but it's it's like Bobby's has to remind me constantly. She's gonna have a different kind of life, which is why I always go. I really hope she finds somebody who's wealthy and marries her, <laughs> because then she can be a stay at home mom, and that I think she would love. She likes to make things neat and straight and right and perfect, okay, um, when you tell her to. We got her strengths. Yeah. So, I mean, she, she loves kids. She would probably be a great mother. She loves to mother them. Children follow her. She's like a Pied Piper. They they are mesmerized by her. So I'm like, she would be a great stay-at-home mom. She would, And, and that's not a shameful thing to say. That's, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I know, I'm but pretty a damn lot good of people, at it. Well, People Usually. give me crap for it. Some days. People are like, you're you're limiting her. You're and I'm like, I'm not. I'm trying to think about her best life. Play to her strengths. We're just gonna be happy. I mean, this is she'll be like the the annoying volunteer mom everywhere. <laughs> like in the kids. Yeah. You know, you're like, stop it. But you're making um, me look bad. Yeah, and like baking cakes. I hope she can learn to bake because like she's gonna start a fire. She doesn't. <laughs> I got to work on cooking with her. That's next why year. I think Zandy actually. I'm I'm pursuing yeah. this whole acting thing that she wants to do because it's like you can make a decent living, and dyslexic won't hold you back, yeah. and like all this trauma will just help you. Like yeah. this could actually be I think something. For, yeah. And she likes being the center. Of the- I mean, like, she walked yeah. out of her last audition saying, "Mom, we totally got it. We were cracking them up. They <laughs> loved us. We didn't get it, but it was <laughs> like she good. was so confident. It's yeah. the one thing she finds confidence in. So yeah. it's like, okay, get That's it, great. give it. You know." I just feel like my, I'm, I'm always constantly slapped in the face of the expectations that I thought. And I, then I get mad at myself because mm-hmm. I'm like, I thought I already worked through that. Yeah. Like I thought I already handled the fact that they can't handle holidays being all ramped yeah. up. You know, like they could never handle the holidays the way I want to yeah. decorate them. You know, like we, yeah, anyways. I guess that's where I, the expectations I like that post really hit me because I was like, yeah. I need to just realize that their joy is their joy and it's not going to look like my joy. And my joy is not going to look like the neurotypical mom's joy. Yeah. You know? That's another thing I feel like I struggle with a whole lot. It's like I see all these other moms going, oh my goodness, this is what they did. And I'm like, wow. Jackson said his name for the first time at four years old a week ago. He's yet to say it again. But (laughs) Chris and I literally were like, wait, what? Lexi, did you say it? Zany, did you say it? Was that him? Was that him? And everyone's like, no, it was him. And we're all like, the whole family like celebrated that he said his name at Doesn't four mean, years old. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone marks down on the calendar when you say your name. It's not a milestone, most people. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember? Well, do you remember when Anna said her name? <laughs> uh, well, surprisingly, I do. I think my husband has an easier time with this because he was not like a straight A student. He was not, he didn't have demands on him. Like his mom's like, be an artist. <laughs> I was like, that's a low paying job. He's like, I know. He told his mom, like, no, I'm going to go do a job where I can make money. And he, you know, he's, that's surprising. He went to school for graphic design and he came out a graphic designer and he does it. And he just dabbles in all these other little things. That keeps him happy. That keeps him happy. 
So it's amazing. Like this, the sound engineering, I was like, dang, like we got this set up. Like we look good, people. I know. We look like we're legit. We have little puff thingies that keep yeah. us from making weird high sounds. We have headphones yeah. on, which is, I mean, we look legit. We do. All because of Bobby. Um, but Bobby. he, I know, but he loves it. And this is the thing that's really but nice he, about him. He's good at graphic design. He does that and he dabbles in things and make mm-hmm. him happy, which is what the comedy is for me now. Yeah. And that's what but. I hope the kids can find, but they don't know what they like. Well, they're kids. Yeah. And it's, well, it is, but it isn't like an, oh, because Bobby was always drawing. Bobby was always putting things together. Bobby was always building things. Like you can see how his childhood reflected his adulthood. I don't think that's the norm. Is it not? I, well, I don't think I'm an example either because oh. I've been average at everything in my life. Mm-hmm. Like everything. <laughs> like I've never been that person to excel. I've never been bad at things. Yeah. Like I was in theater. I got the supporting role. I did mm-hmm. the sound. I did the lights. I built the sets. But I never was the lead. Yeah. I was in AP classes for calculus and, you know, mm-hmm. English. But I definitely didn't excel and get scholarships for my academics. Yeah. You know, like I got a 3.0. I got a 93. Like I had a high GPA. Like I was mm-hmm. just average with everything until I found comedy. And I was like, this may be something I'm actually better at than people. Yeah. But that my my childhood wouldn't reflect where I am right now at all. Yeah, I even I with the performing very, because I wasn't yeah. good. Like I was average. I didn't perform on stage. I didn't pursue it. I didn't. I mean, I did theater. I went to a performing arts high school, um, so I did a lot of theater. It was never the starring role, but I always did these weird little things on the side. And I look at the fact like my friends and I like I love the Goldbergs that TV show I because I don't well, do TV either. <laughs> well. The, I haven't watched it in many seasons, but I loved it because the young son was like, it's always making movies and films. And that's what my friends and I would do. We made like Star Trek, The Women's Generation, Robin Hood, Princess of Thieves. And we would do all these weird movies and like video things and writing things. And we were just always having a great time being creative, which is why I think I got depressed in okay. my job because my job... Well, they took the creativity out of you. Yeah, and so that's well, why and that's why you went into costume design. It's being mm-hmm. creative. You're behind it. Yeah. You're in it. You were involving. You were creating yeah. something. But I and thought then, I was legitimately going to end up being a costume designer. Like I really did. And then I found out I was not cut out for the cutthroatness of it. And I was like, no, I just want to succeed on my own talent. And I'm like, oh, I can't. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, next item. <laughs> so I went into theme parks, and that was fun and it was great. But the further I got up the chain the further away from creativity I got. Yeah. And to a point where where I am now, I'm not creative at all. And I'm, I'm suffering for it, which is why I have to find an outlet. I need to find a place to be creative because I can't do it anymore. You know, if I'll, I'll go crazy. I you think. said summer, right? That was your deadline? You're going to try to get something by summer? <sighs> I hope so. <laughs> Hire me, somebody. <laughs> Hire me to write. Uh, that's a whole another podcast about, I know. Working moms versus non-working moms, and we can have a conversation about that because that's so intriguing to me, the psychology behind it and, like, the judgment that people have in the mommy wars. We'll talk yeah. about that next. I don't know. I think I expected different things from my life. I expected to be a far more, just to touch on working moms again, like, to be a nine to five, maybe a little bit later working mom. Bobby was going to work at home. Um, it was going to be great. We weren't going to have any of these issues with the kids. We would figure it all out. It was going to be fine. And for like the first two years, we fooled ourselves into thinking that it was great because they went to a really great school where we could pick them up at seven o'clock at night, you know, and drop them off super early in the morning. And I didn't realize until it was kind of too late, it wasn't really working. Mm. Like it was too much for the kids. 
So we pulled them, put them into a public school so they'd be closer to home so they could, I mean, they were getting up at 6 a.m. That's a lot. Yeah, no, to go to school. My and niece and nephew do that because yeah. they split custody and I'm just like, that kids are not designed. Yeah. So now they, they kind of get a little fussy. They're like, I would totally get up at 6 a.m. again to go back to the park because they missed the private school and I get it. Like a lot of their good friends there. Um, it's a great school. But I'm like, I can't do that anymore. It's too much. It's too much of a drive. It's too far. You're not near me. So if something happens, yeah, you know, it's you're you're too far. I can't come get you just easily. So they have to go to public schools now. They're in good public schools, but um, they don't quite appreciate the fact they only have to get up at like seven in the morning, <laughs> and they can go to bed at nine now. So I have to work on my expectations. That's basically what it comes down to. Is that's yeah. what I'm constantly working on is my expectation and where they're not being met and not being disappointed for yeah. they're not being met, and then lowering them to a way where it's still having our kids strive for better it's just a hot mess i'm just a hot mess when it comes to all that stuff well i think i came into it with this this idea this false belief that i think has been presented which is when you adopt these kids you're going to change their lives in such a magnificent way it's going to be so transformative they're going to become these great people and do great things and wow look at that look at the world you've created because you've done this like they i feel like it's pushed on you so much yeah and nobody said the reality of hey um she may still get arrested. <laughs> like I remember with Bella, I was talking to the family psychologist and I, she's like, what do you expect? What do you expect from this? And I said, I expect that I give her a good home. I feed her. I clothe her. I love her. I keep her out of jail. And she's like, wait, 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 wait. Everything was fine until that last part. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you may not keep her out of jail. It's her choices. She's, she's set. You know, her foundation is, she's the one who told us her foundation is built. Don't worry about jail. She may go to jail. That may be it. And you have to accept that. Right. And that's a hard thing to accept. But to know that like she could get into severe trouble because she can't make good choices. Yeah. And to not feel it's your fault. Because I'm going to feel like it's my fault. Well, of course. Like, Why wouldn't she? Wrong. Society's going to tell you it's your fault. And yeah. you're going to tell you it's your fault. And you're the worst judgment of it all. And then- yeah. But to know that like that's a reality. I mean, the kid steals all the time. All the time. <laughs> She's not stopping. And I'm getting really fed up with these schools who are like being super nice to her for stealing because she's got trauma. And I'm like, look, you need to punish her. She's never going to learn if she can turn on the water. Well, now is where the consequence of it naturally should be because like when she's 18, it's a totally different story. She went to one school and their school handbook said she should be suspended for three days at least on the first offense. So I'm like, suspend her. I'm like, well, we're just going to put her in detention. I'm like, why? Make her learn. If she yeah. doesn't feel it now, what's going to happen? Not giving her a service. Yeah, that's another conversation too. Like yeah. how the line that's so hard to walk of what is enabling and what is scaffolding. Yeah, because I think Chris and I have that conversation often. Okay, we'll talk about that another time too. I have all these conversations. I'm very talkative today. Well, that's good. I just want to. I'm very tired. Well, I'll talk for the both of us. I'm going to wrap up today though because mm-hmm. I can go on about expectations all the time. The whole Lower time. Expectations. This is going to remember. <laughs> If you want to leave us a comment about anything or if you feel the same way, don't feel the same way, you want to know the pumpkin chili recipe, I don't know. <laughs> leave us a comment at either Anchor or you can email us at motherfnpodcast at gmail.com. Um, Thank you, Devin, again for this wonderful space that you're letting us record yes. in. Um, and, you know, if you want to follow along with what we're doing, check us out on all of our social media. Um, links to all of that are on motherfnpodcast.com. All right. Out. 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 
The Mother Effin' Podcast is hosted and produced by Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to visit us online at mothereffinpodcast.com.